This is P.L. Myers, a shot to the top, pro wrestling's manager extraordinaire. This is Steve Michaels, the master of the Chicago Bear Hug. This is Tim Storm, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. What's up, guys? This is Mr. 3% John Hudson. This is rock star Johnny Nye, and you're listening to What Do You Say with DDJ. And for those of you who don't tune in, be gone. Welcome to episode 14 of What Do You Say with DDJ. And as always, I am your host, DDJ. Uh, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate all the love I've been getting from my fans. And uh, once again, uh, this show is part of the Pro Wrestling Junkies Pod Squad. Uh, episodes drop every Monday at 12 a.m. and go up on YouTube every Wednesday at 12.15 a.m. Uh, my guest this week is the other half of Youth Gone Wild. You may remember back in episode 10, I had uh, Matt Creed on. Well, tonight I have uh, his tag team partner, Tom Heisman. Uh, he gives his side of the Road Warrior Animal story, talks about how he became a wrestling fan, and uh, we also get in a little uh, video game chatter when it comes to wrestling video games. All this and more on episode 14 of What Do You Say with DDJ and my my guest this week, Mr. Tom Heisman. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, What Do You Say with DDJ. And uh, with me this evening, I have uh, one half of the tag team Youth Gone Wild. You may have heard about four weeks ago, I had his partner on, uh, Matt Cree. But with me today, I have Tom Heisman. Tom, how are you doing this evening? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, first off, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, Tom, how did you discover pro wrestling? Uh, well, that goes back all the way to, uh, my dad. Uh, he was a big, big fan of professional wrestling growing up in, when he was a kid. I mean, he would go to the old school, uh, Chicago amphitheater watching Dick the Bruiser, the Crusher, Baron Von Raschke, Harley Race, stuff like that. So, uh, it was just a matter of time until, you know, I remember what, I mean, I, as long as I remember, I remember growing up watching wrestling and being around it. Um, but it was a matter of time until I'd actually start getting interested in it, watching it with my dad and whatnot. So, uh, my dad's a big, uh, proprietor of how I got into it and starting to watch it and, you know, getting into like the video games and, you know, old school WCW, WCCW, NWA, AWA, all that fun stuff. So I, I reason I got into it hundred percent, my dad. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, so back in you, cause you mentioned a lot of like the older promotions and stuff like that. What was your favorite? Um, so it's funny. Um, the first ever DVD or like VHS I ever did 
Uh, first DVD would have been the life and time of the road warriors, but the first VHS I ever uh, watched was actually a recording of night of the skywalkers where it was the legion of doom against midnight express it's the mm -hmm. same the scaffold match where jim Cornette climbed up bubba roger was supposed to pick uh, catch him when he dropped down totally missed blew out both his knees yep. messed up his ankles so yeah so that would i believe if uh i'm correct i believe that's starcade 1986 that was definitely a classic so. i believe so yeah yeah um funny uh story about that i actually uh met jim Cornette at uh C2E2, uh, not this year, but last year, 2019. And I asked him about that. And I asked him if he had any, if he had any heater with Bubba after that. He, he was, I surprisingly, he's like, you know, was totally cool about it and, you know, didn't have one bad thing to say to, about him to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously you mentioned the road warriors and I know we're going to get into how big of an influence they've been on you as we go on with this, but uh, who were some of your, uh, your personal favorites when you first started watching? Uh, so a lot of my favorites actually go back to like the attitude era in WWF. Mm -hmm. uh, very few of my favorites are from outside of that or before they even got into WWF. So obviously, you know, the road warriors, uh, I was a fan of Brian Pillman when he was the loose cannon. Oh. And uh, ECW, WWF, not so much flying Brian when he was in WCW. Um, when WCW was around, I was a fan of uh, Chris Benoit, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly, you know, WWF guys. So like Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Austin, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, not Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Ah, the blue talking early. We're talking like early DX to when he transitioned into Triple H. Gotcha. I kind of liked the Triple H stuff when he was doing like the My Time and right when DX started to uh, start to fizzle out. Mm -hmm. um, big Ministry of Darkness Undertaker uh, was a huge fan of the Acolytes, uh, the Headbangers, uh, Owen and Bulldog. Um, I, you're hearing a lot of tag teams, and that's yeah. that's my that's my wheelhouse. So tag team wrestling has always been my favorite, but a lot of the singles guys, you're talking Stone Cold, Undertaker, Sean, Owen. So very cool, very cool. Um, yeah. So uh, you had uh, again, you know, like I said, you mentioned a lot of tag teams and stuff, and was um, and we'll get into like you know becoming like you know a professional wrestler and all that a little bit later, but. When you first started, were you more like thinking about like if you were when you had the realization, you know, hmm, maybe I might want to be a wrestler. Were you always set on being a tag team wrestler? Um, yes and no. Probably more so though. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, playing the old school WWF Warzone, WWF Attitude on PlayStation, and always like you got that create a wrestler mode, and I would always like make myself and you know, a, an eight year old kid's always going to make himself look jacked out of his mind. And you're going with what's cool. Well, what was cool in the nineties, you know, long hair, somewhat of a mullet. Um, so I, you know, I was building my guy up to look like that. And I always remember tagging up, like putting him in tag teams with like undertaker and stuff like that. So I've always been a fan of tag team uh, but I mean, not so much singles. I never saw myself, if I ever were to get into it, to be like a singles guy, just because I've always been in the wheelhouse in sports of teams. Mm -hmm. Like, I played hockey for 14 years. That's a team sport. Right. So, I've, I've always been 
a fan of like that 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 team cohesiveness. Now, was hockey the only sport you played uh, when you were in school? That's the only sport I was allowed to play. <laughs> oh, allowed to play. Um, and what position were you when you when you were playing hockey? Uh, so when I started, I was a left defenseman. That lasted for about, I want to say maybe three or four years. Uh, I started learning to skate when I was in kindergarten. Uh, my teacher in hockey was actually a former uh, Toronto Maple Leafs player, Rocky Shagna. Okay. Uh, and then uh, from there, I went on to, you know, just being like mites, mighty mites, squirt, peewee, you know, peewee hockey, bantam, all that, and just going up and up, up throughout the years. Uh, I played left D for maybe two or three years, if I remember correctly, and then I asked my coach if I could switch to left wing. And uh, oddly enough, my first shift of left wing, I scored my first goal as an offensive player. And it was a complete, like, it was complete luck. Just complete luck. I was shooting in the, off the, shooting off the boards, off a face-off, straight to the center. It deflected off someone's skate and went right in the net. And I was just like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> not that easy, but that, that's how it started. Yeah, it's definitely not as easy as it looks like, you know, when you play, like, Blades of Steel or, you know, stuff like that and, you know, the old hockey NHL games and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. harder than that. So now did you, uh, were you, uh, are you from around this area? Did you grow up in this area? So I grew up in the West suburbs of Chicago. I've always been out here. Uh, I was, uh, I grew up in Westmont and later on in life, we would move from Westmont to Darien. So, and that's only one town over. So I've, I've been out in the West suburbs my entire life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually one of my best friend, uh, Jimmy, shout out to my boy, Jimmy, who's a big listener to the show, um, is actually, uh, lives in Westmont. So, okay. and that, um, so when did you, uh, decide that you wanted to become a professional wrestler? Uh, so I was in high school. It was my sophomore year, I think. Um, oddly enough, if, I were to run upstairs. I still have my contract that I signed with the, the facility I trained with. Um, I believe that was in 2006 is when I expressed interest in wanting to go out and find a school. And uh, I just, one day I remember walking up to my mom and dad going, Hey, um, I've only got a few more years of hockey left. Cause I don't really see myself playing men's league outside of hockey. And you know, hockey is only going to last as long as my high school career, which I'm a sophomore, so I got two more years. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into something else that I've been really passionate about and a real big fan about. My parents are like, well, what's that? And I'm, my dad's sitting here thinking, I'm going to say, like, I want to be in a band. I want to learn an instrument. And, well, I had already gone down that road. Mm -hmm. it wasn't for me. And my mom's looking at me, and she's just like, well, what, what is it, Tommy? And I'm like, I, I want to be – I want to get into wrestling. I want to be a professional wrestler. And uh, my mom's like, absolutely no. My dad looks at her and he's just like, well, why not? You know, he's been doing hockey for so many years. He loves, he loves watching wrestling. He's a big fan of it. He's always playing the video games. He knows all the guys. And you know, if we tell him no, he's just going to go do it anyway. So <laughs> why, let's, you know, let's let him go out and express that interest. And another reason my parents – well, my dad was always for it because he would be the ones taking me to practice for hockey and going to all the games. So he knew he was going to be taking me to wrestling practice and 
going to the shows and being able to learn like somewhat maybe learn the ins and outs. So, but the big thing was, is growing up, it was believed that I had ADHD. Well, what do you do for an ADHD kid? You keep them busy to wear them out. Well, that's, that's what my, my mom was like, you know what? He's got to put this energy somewhere. And if he's going to be in a safe environment, then sure. You know, but if he gets hurt, it's on you. And my dad was like, whatever. So, uh, they said, well, if you can find a school, we'll look into it. I went on my computer and half hour later I came up with printed forms and I was just, Hey, I found a school. They're out of Oak Lawn, Illinois or pro championship wrestling. Can we check them out? Very cool. So, um, so when obviously, you know, pro championship wrestling is an organization I'm very familiar with. I went to their shows religiously from about like mid to late 2002 to about early 2004. And then I went to what turned out to be their very last show in, uh, in 2014 out in Addison. And I believe, and that's the first time that I think I saw you actually wrestle. Yeah. Um, so, yep. so a lot of the names you're probably going to give me one with the answer. To my next question are probably going to be ones I recognize, but who uh, trained you at pro championship wrestling? Uh, so I can't just give credit to one person cause I'm pretty much a mutt when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Knight was the man who I signed my contract with. Uh, my very first practice was with Johnny Mack. And then from there on out for the remainder of the years at pro championship wrestling was open, which I believe would be seven years from the point I signed my contract to the day the company closed because if I remember correctly the company closed in January yep and uh, I signed in January so it would be about exact seven years and all my trainers span from Rick Knight Jared Priest Rick Rocket uh, Wally Wild uh, Rion Skills Jay Phoenix uh, Daniel Lure and Santana Starks from Body Count um some guys might know him as Strict Nine from when he was in LWF. Others might know him as Christopher Avance when he was in with uh, PCW. Uh, and then here and there, uh, the Butcher, he would do uh, promo uh, promo practices where you can get more in touch with who your your character, or gimmick, or your personality was. So I've always considered myself a mutt. Okay. So what would you say was like the uh... – the best piece of advice you were given while you were training. Uh, and if you want to share who gave that to you and is it something that you still apply uh, to this day? Uh, so it is something that I still apply to this day and it was advice that I got and it wasn't from any of my trainers. It was actually from Roddy Piper. Oh, when wow. we brought him in. I think it was dream night eight. It may have been dream night eight. Um, we brought in Roddy Piper. It was in Oaklawn at the Oaklawn Pavilion. And, uh, it was right as Roddy was walking out. He said he had watched my match and he said, he wanted to pull me aside. He's like, Hey, he's like, Hey kid, uh, you, you look pretty green, but how long have you been working? How long have you been in this? And I was like, uh, this was my first year in first solid year, I believe. So I was like, one year. And he's like, well, how do you think your match went? I was like, I think it went okay. Uh, there were a couple hiccups, a couple of uh, couple of problems. But other than that, it went fine. And uh, he had his Hall of Fame ring. 
And I remember him playing with it. He's just sitting there playing with it. And I wasn't sure why he was doing it. And I could see him like biting his lower lip and he was getting a little aggravated with me because the advice to follow after I said that, he was like, all right, kid, I'm going to give you advice, take it or leave it, but I guarantee you're never going to forget it. And as, as he's doing this, he's playing with his ring and he's, he's turning it. And these are like the old school, like WWF Hall of Fame rings before they got a little bit bigger. Right. So it was like the, the black stone with the gold etching and all that. He turns it around and he's like, if a promoter ever asks you how your match went, you say it was the best damn match out there. You never say it was okay. You always say it was great. And that's no matter what. You could have crapped the bed. It could have been the worst match ever. You could have gone out there and dropped yourself on your head from a, a moonsault, or you could have dropped your opponent on his head from a, uh, from a body slam. But you always go out there and you always do your job. And when you get back, you tell the promoter it was the best match. No matter if it was the first or last match, it was the best match on the card. And he turned his ring around. And he, uh, you know, those double door metal, uh, metal, metal double door frames. He's yes. got his ring and he's walking out and he says, and that's the only piece of advice I got to give to you and everybody else here. So make sure you remember that. And he smacked the, the middle, uh, support and he shattered the ring, the stone on his own hall of fame ring. Oh, wow. And, uh, he looked at it and he's like, Eh, I'll call Vince tomorrow. He'll he'll buy me another one. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a little fun story off of that, but that's the piece of advice that I've always taken with me. Uh, anytime I've ever worked with a rookie or anything, I've always passed that on. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's my that's my little piece of gold that I got from Roddy Piper that I hope is always passed down because that's something that should never never be forgotten. That's something that should always be heard. That's actually a really neat little I, – I mean, first off, that, that's really cool that you got to work with, uh, with Piper and that. But that's, that's a really good piece of advice because it just uh, – I'm, I'm listening as you're, you know, telling a background, and it's just – it was so fascinating. So, um, obviously, PCW was known, and this is uh, something that got brought up in some past episodes, most notably when I had uh, P.L. Myers on my very first episode um, – that P- PCW is known for bringing in, you know, a lot of legends and stuff for their yeah. shows and that. So besides uh, Piper, who were some of the other legends that you got to uh, either work with or just get, you know, get to meet or, you know, learn from during your time? So uh, with PCW in ring wise, I never really got to work with any of them in the ring, but I always got to interact with them outside of the ring. Mm. Um, one that really comes to mind and that I'll always remember is honky tonk man. Uh, and that's just specifically because the night we brought him in, it was in Stager, Illinois. Uh, it was in the winter. So I want to say it was either J- December, I think it was. Okay. We brought him in on a Saturday. And then that following Sunday, we had a autograph signing at Hellfire Comics in Chicago Ridge Mall. Back okay. when they were still open. Uh, I sustained an, a grade three concussion that night. And then the following day, I came out to the mall for the autograph signing to be there and, you know, support the company, be there with Honky, and then, you know, see the fans. And Honky pulled me aside. He's like, hey, you're the kid that got the concussion, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, how you doing? So I'll always remember that with Honky. And then from, you know, other years with working with other companies, anytime I've ever seen him, we've always caught up. And he's always, hey, how's the head? But uh, there's always Honky Tonk Man, um, Mick Foley. Rick Flair. Oh man. Um, Ultimate Warrior. Kevin Nash. 
Scott Hall, um, Road Warrior Animal. You're going to hear that. I have a feeling you're going to hear that name a lot uh, yep. throughout, throughout this time. Um, and then uh, X-Pac. Um, that's just to name a few. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty good list because I believe every single person you mentioned there is in the Hall of Fame. So that's really cool that you've been able to have interactions with all those guys and stuff. Me being a fan, you know, I mean, yeah, I've done, a lot of the names you've mentioned, like you mentioned Honky Talk Man, you mentioned Hall and Nash. I've actually had the privilege of meeting, you know, at like meet and greets and things like that. And then, um, you know, also I've got a real, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting Animal a couple of times and you know, Hawk as well, too. Um, so, yeah, the Road Warriors hold a special place in my heart as well, too. But that's just really cool. So, uh, you mentioned Road Warrior Animal and say we're going to hear that name a lot. So, I'm going to get right to it. Um, About four weeks ago, when I had your partner, Matt Creed, on the show, he told a really cool uh, story about Animal uh, backstage at a show. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective on that story. Okay. Um, I believe it was a har. Halloween show, so it would have been October. Um, this was right at the like the genesis of when me and Creed started tagging up. I think we were our a few months or at least a year and a half in as Youth Gone Wild. Uh, PCW was bringing in Road Warrior Animal. Um, I like I said earlier, the Road Warriors are a big influence in my uh, upcoming as a fan. Uh, up until that point, I was always a fan of Hawk. Not really so much Animal. I was always a big fan of Hawk. I don't know if it was just because the the double mohawk and whatnot, but I was always a fan of Hawk. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going into the show, and, and I can't remember who we were wrestling that day, uh, but I remember walking out of the bathroom, and Creed's coming up to me. He's like, "Hey, Tom, we're up next. You know, so you got to grab your gear. You got to grab the. You got to grab your jacket." And uh, the funny thing is, is I go in the locker room, the show is in Midlothian and there's a group of guys circled around my gear bag. You got PL Myers, Jared Priest, Rick Knight, a bunch of the other rookies and some of the other guys. But I remember those three specifically and then animal and my gear bag is open. But the only reason it's open is because I actually saw animal open my gear bag. So somebody got into his ear and told him what, Youth Gone Wild's leather jackets and vests looked like. <laughs> well, anybody who knows us knows since me and Creed ever started tagging, I've always I've always had like the spikes on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Now we're not talking like LOD, you know, eight inch, ten What's inch spikes. Yeah. But we're talking, you know, three inch billet aluminum spikes. Or I when I first started, I had the one inch billet aluminum spikes. And uh, so somebody wised him up and animal goes in my gear bag. He flips it open. I see my, I see what I'm not wearing. The, the gear I'm not wearing is being, you know, shuffled aside and he pulls out my vest. Well, at this time it was uh, the first incarnation. So it was a, uh, a leather biker vest, leather motorcycle vest. And uh, it had the one inch spikes on the shoulders. And uh, I had a little bit of chain lacing on the sides and he looks up at it. He's like, He's looking at it, and then he looks at me because I'm walking up. He's like, hey, uh, Mr. Animal, uh, I'm actually up next, and you're actually holding my entrance jacket. I, I need that. And he looks at me. He's like, what is this, a Road Warrior starter kit? And I'm, I'm sitting here about to crap my pants. I'm like, oh, shit. 
this is not what I need right now. Everybody's everybody was looking at that, and then it's just like boom, deer in headlights. Everybody's looking at me like, uh oh, what's the kid gonna say? And uh, I looked at him. I was like, uh, not exactly, but I did get the idea the same way you and Hawk got the ideas for your original uh, leather entrance gear. And he's like, oh yeah, what's that? And I was like, I'm a big fan of the Mad Max series with Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh. Someone paid attention to our DVD that just came out about a couple years ago, huh? And I was like, actually, it's the first DVD I ever got through WWE. So he's like, oh, good, good answer, kid. Uh, yeah, I don't see a problem with this. This is actually kind of cool, and you gave the right answer. So here you go. Go out and have a good match. And when I came back and whatnot, he, he's the first person to come up to me. He's like, so how'd it go? And I remembered the advice I got from Piper, so I told him that. And he's like, you seem like you know what you're doing out there. You seem like you got good training. I know the guys that are working with you. So keep doing what you're doing. And about two minutes goes by, I'm walking back to my gear, and he's like, oh, by the way, keep doing the spikes. It's okay by me. I was like, all right, thank you, sir. And so, I mean, ever since, we'd always done the, the spikes, chains, any of that, and then whenever we design the, the leather jackets or the vests, I've always made sure that that's somewhere on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, any time I had walked into a Road Warrior Animal after that, it was always, hey, how's it going? And we would always we would have a conversation for about 45 minutes, sometimes a half hour to 45 minutes, just shooting the shit and catching up and saying hey. And and he'd always he'd always give me a he'd always give me a little bit of a. a like a twist of the arm like hey remember i'm the one who gave you permission to use those spikes kind of thing so uh that that that's my first ever encounter with animal and it was very it was unsettling but very humbling yeah that's gotta be one of those things that like just you'll never forget because uh just yeah like i said i got the pleasure of meeting hawk and animal a few months before hawk died and i just you know, I'll never forget the the memories I made that day for, you know, and stuff. So that's just gotta be one of those things that just, especially you growing up a road warriors fan that you, oh, yeah. you the inner child in you was probably just like doing backflips and cartwheels and all that stuff. Well, I was, I was, I was scared shitless because I'm sitting here going, this is the same guy who was in, dog collar tag matches with Nikita and Ivan Koloff and they're beating the hell out of each other. And he's sitting there holding my, 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 my entrance jacket. And I'm just like, Oh crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no animals are really cool guy and stuff. I remember being intimidated the first time I met him and I didn't want to go up to him because I was, I was actually like, you know, I was scared too. And then I think it was actually PL Myers that kind of, was the one that broke the ice for me, you know, to, like I went up and introduced myself, you know, and everything. And yeah, he turned out to be a really cool guy. And then I got to see him again at a C2E2 this year when he was, uh, when he was there doing a signing and I happened to give him a copy of the picture that I took with him, Hawk and Ellering back at, uh, back in 2013. And he was really appreciative of that. So he just said, it's just, you know, I mean, and I'm sure, you know, much like me, I'm sure, you know, you were pretty devastated when you heard the news of his passing. Uh, yes. Uh, then there's actually a story behind that too. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with cauliflower alley. Yes. Um, him and Paul Ellering were 
nominated to be getting the tag team award and they were going to be accepting it on behalf of Hawk and animal. Uh, well, before COVID hit cauliflower was supposed to happen in April, COVID hit, got postponed to September. Uh, September comes around and, uh, I'm, you know, I had my, my plane ticket, my hotel, everything was booked and good to go. Uh, I had my admission for cauliflower. I was going to actually be performing at the, uh, the indie shows for cauliflower. I was going to be there. I was flying in on Saturday. I was coming home on Thursday. I still did the trip, even though cauliflower got canceled. And uh, the upsetting thing is the day Road Warrior Animal and L-Ring were going to be accepting the award was the same exact day that Road Warrior Animal passed away. Yeah, I think I remember Matt may have told me that when I had him on because um, you're telling me that and it's like I know I've heard that somewhere and I think it was it was uh, it was Matt Creed that was telling me about that as well. So yeah, and uh, the the thing that was really upsetting about it was there weren't many times that I would contact Animal. Uh, we did have I did have his uh, direct contact information because of uh, when I used to work with another company after PCW, uh, I was one of the guys that would help bring in some talent. And I had known Animal, so I was able to get his contact info uh, after we had brought him in the first time outside of PCW. And uh, I wished him to make sure he got home safe because he had, he had driven from Michigan down to Chicago during a blizzard. And I wished him good luck on getting home. Please let me know we get home safe. And after that, he was like, Hey, this is my direct contact information. Don't give this out to anybody. You're good in my book. Uh, you know, thanks for letting me know that you were, you were thinking of me on the way home. And then when I had found out that him and Paul were going to be getting the award at cauliflower, I shot him a message. I was like, Hey man, congratulations. I know you hear that all the time. I know that you've been inducted in multiple hall of fames, but I'm going to be there for this one. Now I want to be there for you. I'm, I'm going to be there for Brian Pillman Jr. as well because he was going to be getting rookie of the year, I think, two years in a row or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the only person to ever have, went, do you have that honor. Yeah. And, uh, but the big thing was for Animal. And I had messaged him and he was like, hey, you know, thank you. Uh, I hope to see you out there. Don't be a stranger you know, come up to me and we'll talk. And then uh, if we have time, maybe we'll go up to the bar and we'll have a drink together or something like that. And I was, I was all looking forward for that. And then when cauliflower got canceled, mm -hmm. then that happened. And then I woke up the day he, uh, uh, the day he passed away. And I was just like, Holy hell, man. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know. I remember cause I, had woken up and I went out for my morning walk and I listened, I think I just sat down, I gotten back to my house from doing my morning walk and I was just fixed myself a bowl of cereal and had some milk. And I was just doing my usual, like, you know, routine where I just get on, you know, Facebook just to see what's going on. And then someone posted and that's kind of how I found out. And then as soon as I saw it, you know, I'm like going online just to see if it was actually the truth or, you yeah. know, and just, yeah, then I just remember just I cried. And then I remember I was dry. I don't remember where I was going, but I was driving, uh, you know, somewhere. And I had to call my mom and talk with her because I just I was so upset because of the suddenness and that. So um, so obviously 
what as a as a you know a fan of the Road Warriors, I mean, what did it? How did it make you feel like when someone that basically you idolized, you know, and kind of looked up to, um, you know, basically almost puts treats become you become his equal, and then you know become basically mo and most importantly his friend. How did that? How what it, what did that make you feel, or what kind of emotions were running through you when you realized, hey, you know, this isn't just some guy that I've watched on TV and maybe gotten some advice from, but this is a guy I can call my friend. Um. So it was. Definitely one of those situations where uh, I had to take a step back and be like, this is, this is crazy. Mm. Like, this is somebody who's been to Japan, you know, WWE, WCW, NWA, AWA, all these companies, TNA, all these companies for what, almost – three and a half decades, if not low, longer, four decades. We're talking, what, the mid-80s to now? Yeah, so you're looking at almost 40 years because I think it was 83 was when they officially yeah. gave Georgia Championship Wrestling. So I'm sitting here going, like, this guy has been everywhere, has done everything. He's an icon in tag team wrestling. You can't think tag team wrestling and not think the Road Warriors. Absolutely. And, I mean, I would – I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, you know, the Road Warriors are probably the number one team. Nets, you're, and I'm talking over the Freebirds, over the Four Horsemen, you know, and those are just two of the most notoriously known teams. Mm -hmm. Road Warriors are always going to be up. They're always going to be at the top. Always. Yeah. They're at the top of my list. So, um, just – over time, being able to get to know Animal and uh, for him to actually say, this is my direct contact, you know, don't hesitate to contact me if you ever need, need, an, need, a, need something answered or you have a question or you want to, you know, uh, work on bringing me in or something, you know, don't hesitate. And it was at that point when I realized, like, damn, um, I'm not just some random person trying to reach out to him and having to go through a booking agent, I can go straight to the source. So he's, he's entrusting me and believing me to be much bigger in a better way than some of these people. And that's when I was like, and I realized like we, we were cool then. And that was really, really humbling. And uh, I'll always remember that. And I'll always never take advantage of the fact of knowing that I had that opportunity. Awesome. So last Road Warriors related question, and then we'll move on. And what would you say is your favorite Road Warriors match? Oh, geez. Um, I, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I want to, it would probably be when, uh, oh, I, I, that's the thing is I don't really have a, a favorite match because, or maybe Any time I ever got to see them, it was a treat. And I, I treated it always the same. Um, anything favorite, I can tell you I can tell you my favorite version of their entrance. Okay, which, yeah, whatever. Yeah, which would, uh, there's two of them. Uh, Wembley Stadium, when they came out on the uh, – Yes. Thing. Yeah, that was – And then uh, when they debuted for WrestleMania 13, and Ahmed Johnson, the, the coming home edition on Raw in – He's sitting there saying, 
oh, you guys want, you know, the nation, you want to have a, a Chicago street fight? Well, I went out and I found the biggest, baddest guys I could find. And you hear that, you hear the Road Warrior music hit. That entrance and SummerSlam were my two favorites. My favorite match, if I have to pick one, it would still probably go back to Starcade when they faced the Midnights. Uh, so the scaffold match? Yeah. Okay. Mine personally, and it, it may it's it's probably not their best match, but for me, my personal favorite match was when they beat the Nasty Boys for the tag team titles at SummerSlam ninety one. And the reason why is because that was my introduction to the Road Warrior Pop. <laughs> okay. And that's so because that I like I said again, I that's what I started watching wrestling, you know, late nineteen ninety, early nineteen ninety one. So my first exposure to them was you know, the, when they were in the WWF. So I, I had no knowledge of them, you know, being in the NWA and things like that. But, like, yeah, just I'll never forget. And I actually watched the match not too long. Like, basically, I think it was the the day Animal died. I went on and watched a bunch of their stuff. And it just how loud that Madison Square Garden was when they won the belts. And, you know, hearing Roddy Piper, you know, scream out, like, what a night, you know, and stuff. And it's just that's something that's always stuck with me. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to ask you something that I asked, uh, Matt, when I had him on and that was, is how did you, uh, how, what, what, how did you guys becoming a team come about? Uh, so basically, uh, in PCW, um, me and Matt were kind of, we're, I don't want to say we're floundering, but they didn't, the, the booking agent, like the booking team didn't know what to do with us. Uh, I was part of a group called the Gridiron Grapplers with Joe Heisman and Steve Heisman, but Joe and Steve uh, were they were uh, already tagging, so they were an established tag team. And then eventually, Steve would go on to go for the Midwest Championship, and Joe Heisman would go on for the Heavyweight Championship. Well, there was no there wasn't a third championship that I could go for, and there wasn't a cruiserweight division or a light heavyweight division, and you know. I was, they didn't know what to do with me and the booking team and they didn't know what to do with Creed. Uh, so one day they're like, um, we're just going to put you guys together for tonight and hope you guys have a good match. You know, I was still known as uh, junior varsity, Tom Heisman. Creed was known as uh, the modern day crusader, Matt Creed. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, we weren't youth gone wild. We, I was still in my old Heisman gear. He was in his old Creed gear. And we did the match. We went out there. Uh, we did a couple tag team moves that caught the eye of the company, uh, one of which would be the old school rockers, the uh, double hip toss, elbow, nip up. We hit that at perfect timing. And we did a couple other things. And they were like, you guys have never worked together in like practices or anything, have you? I was like, no. I was like, you guys looked like you had chemistry out there. I was like, okay like we're gonna see where this goes so and it it just organically became a thing and uh if that wouldn't have worked i'm fairly confident and i think i can speak for creed too uh they probably would have told us they had nothing left for us or nothing to do with us and they would have let us go so us coming together and tagging and then becoming what we did later on as youth on wild was probably the biggest saving grace that either one of us could have asked for yeah I remember I think he pretty much told when I asked him that question he pretty much gave like the same answer you just gave me so it's always really cool and stuff so how did like you know 
you guys go from being just two guys that were thrown together to youth gone wild? Uh, so we spent about a month and a half trying to figure out names. I know Johnny Mack, one of our trainers, really wanted us to be the gym class heroes. I really wasn't feeling that. Um, one, I was a hockey player jock in high school, and I didn't like the name gym class heroes. I thought it was really kind of childish. And his idea was, like, we come out, like, the 19 – early 90s, late 80s gym shorts, like, the, up to your, like, damn near showing your nuts. Yeah. And, like, tank tops. And I'm like, I'm not feeling that at all. I'm like, I ain't doing that. And then uh, – so me and Creative thought, like, maybe – Rising Warriors or something like that. And uh, Edge and Randy Orton were a big tag team at the time where they had, uh, like, Edge's music, and then you'd hear that static, and then Randy Orton's music. So I remember going on Windows Media Player. Yeah. I remember going on Windows Media Player and taking my music and then inserting static and then doing his music and then trying to blend it together and be like, what do you think of this? And we used it for, like, a show or two. And then our tra- one of our trainers, Jared Priest, was listening to Skid Row in the car during flyering. He's like, hey, I want you guys to listen to this song. I have an idea. Hear me out. Listen to the song and then tell me what you think. And he plays the song Youth Gone Wild. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a metal head. I like metal and rock. You know, that's that's my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he's like, what do you guys think of going by the name of Youth Gone Wild and coming out to this? I was like, I can see it. I can get behind it. He's like, now when you hear Youth Gone Wild, what do you guys think? And I'm like, degenerate, rebel, non-law-abiding kids, two, two street punks. He's like, can you put an image, uh, a visual to that? And I was like, yeah, easily. He's like, can you do it by the next show? You're giving me a month? Yeah, okay. So I remember me and Creed going on Amazon. We bought a pair of black jean shorts. I have an airbrush at my house. I went and got some red paint. And I airbrushed the paint on the uh, on the shorts with the Youth Gone Wild logo. We bought leather jackets and vests. I did up the the I did up the jackets and vests, and to this day, I still do them. So the leather jacket and vest that you saw at CCW were put together and built in by these hands, just like they were ten years ago when we first started tagging. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we go to, uh, the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, uh, PCW shuts down and I know you and, uh, Matt kind of went like your separate ways at that time, or at least that's how I, what I remember him telling me and stuff. Did you still continue to wrestle and, uh, during that time? And if so, where did you uh, wrestle at? So I continued, but me and Creed are big admins for keeping the story alive. So in PCW, in PCW, we had lost the Chicago connection, and in the stipulation was if we lost, we couldn't tag anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, we kept, we kept that alive for four or five years. So after PCW closed, uh, I went to Crash Tested Wrestling, which, stayed, uh, which was around for three, three and a half years, and uh, I completely did a 180. Um, those are the years I say uh, Tom Heisman went off the rails Mm-hmm. and uh, became a slightly schizophrenic, and uh, a new persona was made. I was going by the name Ace Bradley. I was doing a Fallout gimmick based out of Mad Max, uh, and started. A, I started a group with another guy 
named Brutus Owen Wesker. We started the plague and it went from just us to eventually adopting like three other members over a course of time. Uh, crash tested, closed. I went to global uh, pro champ or global professional wrestling where I would start, I was tagging with Mitch Blake as the rage there. I was known as Tommy Maddox and uh, eventually I would turn on Mitch and I became Tom Heisman again, which was a very interesting transition because no one had seen Tom Heisman for four or five years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, couple months later i'm in a tag match and i'm saying i'm bringing in a tag partner and it's something of my past well everybody thought i was just going to make the transition from tommy maddox back to ace bradley and i was going to tag with either you know machine uh zamiel who jared priest right. or uh or bruce Owen wesker and i came back out as tom heisman and youth gone wild's playing and i bring out matt creed the the band's back together in a familiar environment in a city one town over from where we became youth gone wild. So there were, there were fans that recognized immediately when he walked out, they're like, Oh, these guys are back. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Awesome. So, so it's really cool because I, and I like the fact that, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, brought your past back and stuff. Because, again, it seems like a lot of times, you know, these days in pro wrestling, at least in the major organizations, you know, long-term storytelling seems to be a thing of the past. So it's nice that you kind of, you know, doing your own thing. But then when the time was right, you know, you brought, you know, you went back to Tom Heisman and, you know, became brought reformed youth gone wild. So uh, so how did you uh, get into contact with John Bullard? Uh, so um, at the time, I was just looking for other bookings, other opportunities. Me and Creed were really looking for a company where we can make Youth Gone Wild our wheelhouse, our home. And uh, because we had just started tagging up again, we had done a couple of shows with Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme. Uh, there were some issues with me and some of the, uh, the guys there that are in control of booking. Uh, we don't see eye to eye. So me, I told Creed, I was like, hey, man, this is the situation. I'm not going back there. Um, you can if you want, but I can guarantee you it's not going to be the same without me there. They're not going to use you to the, to the capacity that I know they should. He's like, dude, if you're not going back, I'm not going back. I was like, all right. So in that meantime, I'm looking for other companies. Uh, at the time, a manager that we were talking with uh, was going to be working with John. And he had gotten, gotten me in contact with John. So I reached out, got the contact information, reached out to John. And we just started talking. And John's like, hey, no, I know who you are. I've, I've seen your work. Um, I want to talk. So when you're available, this is my number. Give me a call. And we will, uh, we'll see where everything goes. And me and John, without even realizing it, have a lot in common um, from being fans of hockey being fans of wrestling. Um, I'm sure you can see in the background, I've got a lot of lights. Well, yeah. some of the lights you might not see is I've got a couple different slot machines in my basement. Uh, John used to work on slot machines when he uh, had his casino job. And I'm a big fan of old school wrestling. He's a fan of it. He was brought up on it. So we were able to just keep blending and meshing and meshing and, and building that friendship. And, it just, it built from that. 
And then it was, hey, you know, so this is what I got. This is what I got going on. I'm doing this thing called Chicago Land Championship Wrestling, and I want you guys to be a part of it. I was like, give me dates. That, that's all you got to do is give me dates. You give me dates and a ring, I'll show you what I can do in that ring. Creed will show you what he can do in that ring. We'll show you what we can do in that ring together. And I guarantee you what you see, you're going to enjoy and you're going to like. Obviously, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. And that's so. Okay, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, so kind of going back, you we're like way back to the beginning of the interview, you mentioned like, you know, WWF Warzone, WWF Attitude, like wrestling video games. What would you say was your favorite wrestling video game ever? WWF Attitude. To this day, I still play it. Wow. For me, I've always – for me, it's it's no mercy for the Nintendo 64. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't a Nintendo 64 guy. I didn't grow up with one. I never wanted one. I didn't care for it. Uh, if I ever played N64, it was always Goldeneye at my friend's house. Oh, those are out of, good times. Out of, out of all my friends, I was the only wrestling guy. So, you know. <laughs> and, that's a, and then uh, uh, one last question. What took more of a toll on your body, uh, a hockey game or a professional wrestling match? They're, they're pretty equal. But um, I will say uh, there's, there's a wrestling match I did, not as Tom Heisman. It was as Ace Bradley for Crash Tested Wrestling uh, against Brutus Owen Wesker. It was last man standing. It's out there on YouTube. Um, if you catch that match, you'll see – you'll know exactly why I, I put that match out there. Uh, it takes elements from Undertaker Mankind – Triple H, Cactus Jack, Hell in a Cell. Uh, it's put together as an old-school WWF Attitude Era match. It, it shows our fandom. It shows what we're there to do and why we were there and why we enjoyed doing it. Um, to this day, I, I, I sit there and I'm like, I, I, I want to do that match again. That was probably my favorite match, but I remember the day after I mean, hell, the week after I was, I was sore. I was hurting. And I don't remember, I I have parts of my body that hurt more from wrestling than they did when I played hockey. Wow. Okay. So before we call it a night here, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want you, do you have any up uh, shows coming up? And then also where can uh, fans uh, be like me and buy your merchandise? So the merchandise, uh, Creed runs that. Uh, but I do have some of our old-school retro shirts. All I have, I believe, are larges, and I have very, very limited amount. I think I got like nine or eight of them. Uh, I, I sell those for $10 a piece, and those are personally in my possession. If anyone's interested in those, uh, you just message me directly off of Facebook. Uh, and my, my Facebook is under my actual, my normal name, and that's Tom Kudlik. All you got to do is just search. Tom and then K O U D E L I K and there there I am, um, and then as far as our new and updated shirts, it's on Pro Wrestling Tees. You just I believe it. You go under uh, Pro Wrestling Tees and then search Youth Gone Wild. I believe that's how Creed has it set up. You would know you're wearing one of our shirts. Yes, and I then uh, <laughs> and that's so. Well, as yeah. far as the merch on that, that's where you can find that. Uh, I've also got some of our old school eight by tens that are still available. And then um, as far as uh, upcoming shows and bookings, uh, Youth Gone Wild, 
nothing until April with Chicagoland Championship Wrestling, and that's just, you know, COVID. But uh, if you're looking for a little bit of taste outside of Youth Gone Wild and outside of Tom Heisman, there are a few rumblings of some potential bookings for my more colorful gimmick, Ace Bradley, which has not seen the light of day in about a year. Uh, It's not exactly what you would say uh, COVID-friendly. If anyone who remembers me with that gimmick, I would come out wearing a gas mask. I had a noose around my neck. It's dark. So it's not exactly, you know, what you would say, uh, 2020 approved, but more of a adult orientated bar show, gritty, grimy gimmick. Um, possibly bringing that out in February. So um, I can't specify which company just yet because I've been asked not to. Okay. But um, I would say if that's something that you and your fans are interested in, just keep a very close eye to my Facebook. Come closer to February and definitely the following months after because if Ace debuts in February, he's not going away for a while. And then obviously in April, Youth Gone Wild's back in Michigan City with Chicagoland Championship Wrestling. I can't wait for that because I already got my ticket, so I will definitely be there. So, um, so uh, Tom, I want to take a, one more time to just say thank you again for joining uh, with uh, joining me on uh, my show. Um, no problem. Again, uh, best of luck to you in the future, and uh, have a great day. You too. You too. Thanks Thank for having me. Thanks, Tom, for uh, joining me this week on What Do You Say?, I had a lot of fun, and I hope all of you who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, you can see Tom and the rest of the superstars of Chicagoland Championship Wrestling in action on Saturday, April 17th, 2020. And uh, information, if you're watching this on YouTube, it will be coming across the screen right around this time. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other major podcasting platform, the information will be in the episode description. You can also go to ProWrestlingTees.com to get your Youth Gone Wild merchandise or contact Tom directly if you want some old school uh, merchandise. Uh, His information will be coming across the screen if you're watching this on YouTube and also on uh, episode descriptions wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Well, that's all I have this week, Uh, and I want to once again thank Tom for uh, his time and uh, join me in about another week with another episode of What Do You Say with DDJ. Thanks.